On November 16 of 2018, I lost my stepdad due to suicide. He had a lifelong battle with alcoholism and mental health. He became both verbally and physically abusive to those he loved. There were good times. He spoiled his grandkids, he nursed my mom back to health, and provided the financial support for me to start a new life. This man cried when he first held my son. This man loved me. He loved us. Addiction and illness will change you. Recognize the signs and get help. Being strong is about knowing when you're weak. If you're feeling your worst, call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. Per addictionresource.com, the Drug and Alcohol Abuse Helpline is 1-88-506-0699. Addictionresource.com has an extended list of phone numbers that will guide you and hopefully assist you. Today, we review The Shining. Just for you, Rolando. Your family misses you, and I miss you. Happy birthday. Welcome to a nightmare in stereo. A podcast for horror movie review. Now, here are your hosts, Juan and Norma. Welcome back to A Nightmare in Stereo for the fifth episode. Norma, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? I am doing great. So, last week, tell us what happened. Last week, we talked about The Platform, a suspense thriller that'll keep you on your toes. Don't watch it with your kids. Watch it with a loved one and learn what kind of person they are. We rated an 8.5 out of 10. And here's a few things we learned from the film. Number one, Juan will soon be making an appearance in Forensic Files if he doesn't get his cannibalism infatuation in check, you little weirdo. Meat is delicious. So is your mom. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) Touche, (laughs) touche. Moving on. Number two, according to medicalexpress.com, the human body can survive without any food for 30 to 40 days. It says that as long as you're properly hydrated, you can last that long. Death can occur after around 45 to 61 days. Businessinsider.com states that typically a person can last up to four days without water. So it's true what they said that, you know, they could last one full month without meat. But if they get two bad floors in a row, they're fucked. Right. If I don't eat as soon as I wake up, I'm going to die. I don't know how these people do it. Oh, yeah. I usually wait until noon. Well, I'm hypoglycemic, so I have to eat. True, true. Yeah. And then Gilberto Valle, he was a New York police officer that was accused of planning to kidnap cook and eat women after nearly i want to say one and a half maybe two years um i can't remember very well his case but it was dismissed because none of this ever happened hill had a very detailed cannibalistic fantasies that he shared on certain blogs that when read made outsiders believe he was actually doing everything he wrote if you want to learn more about this twisted story where a person was literally judged by his fantasies read his book raw deal it is very good. It's one of my personal favorites, and you'll get a more in-depth story of the events. 
don't kink shame. Yeah, don't kink shame. That's all. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Today we're actually going to be talking about one of my favorite horror movies, The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick. What are some of your favorite Stanley Kubrick films? One of my favorites. You know you introduced me to A Clockwork Orange, right? Yes. Yes. So I have to say A Clockwork Orange, obviously The Shining, and Full Metal Jacket. How old were we when I showed you that movie for the first time? Um, I think I was fresh out of high school, so 17. Okay, that's not that bad. Yeah, so fun story about this. I was dating this guy that went into the Marines right after we graduated high school. And when he came back, I was like, hey, let's watch a movie. So, of course, I put on (laughs) A Clockwork Orange. And then the next day, mom sees him and she's like, hey, what did you guys do last night? He's like, Norma put up a porn show for us. And of course, (laughs) mom started screaming at me and being like, how dare you put that kind of smut in my house? I'm like, it wasn't a porn show. And of course, you blame me, right? Well, yeah, I had to. (laughs) You fucker. (laughs) And I was trying to explain to this guy, listen, bro, this is like a piece of art. Like, and he's it like, is. porn is art? I'm like, technically it is because it takes a lot of talent to, you know, It doesn't it out. have that much porn. Well, it doesn't have any porn at all. No, it's just, you know, a little... It's something new for people that are not used to it. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. Go watch it. And ultraviolence. If you're into ultraviolence, of course I'm going to choose A Clockwork Orange. Not a lot of people like it, but Eyes Wide Shut. I was actually a fan of that movie. I haven't seen it. Dude, why? I don't See, know. that's another movie for your bu- uh, bucket list. Check out Eyes White Shut, the last film that Steve, uh, Stanley Kubrick ever directed. It's really random, but it's good. And it also affected cinema for future movies. There's a lot of parodies about that movie, too, that you might actually see or notice after you watch it. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Nice. So going back to The Shining, this movie had a budget of $50 million. The box office was... 46.2 million and is starring uh, young Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd. Nice. And for Danny Lloyd, I think that they could have picked a cuter kid. Danny Lloyd's character in this movie is like, uh, you're not my favorite. <laughs> I think he did a good job though. I feel like between him and Charlie, he did a better job. Really? Yeah, definitely. Also, can we talk about Jack Nicholson as the Joker? Okay, shoot. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> It's just, he has this already evil face on. I feel like it was a natural role for him to play. I think it's the smile. He has this perpetually creepy looking smile on his face that it just never goes away. So he's perfect for, and I'm kind of surprised that he never received a lot more villainous uh, roles in his movies. Right. Um, There's this other guy from Gotham, the one that plays the Joker there. He looks so much like... um, Jack Nicholson when he plays it when he plays the oh, Joker yeah, yeah. serious forgot his like name same, I don't know his name but in the show is Jeremiah mm. but they have like he that has that same, creepy smile yes the same one the same dimples the way it just curls up ugh it's the same one you know I think it would have worked if Jim Carrey was able to play the Joker too when I'm talking about like 1990s Jim Carrey right I liked him as the Riddler he did good yeah he would have been a better Joker he could have but I feel mm-hmm. like then if we had the Joker, we couldn't have the Grinch. Although now that you say <laughs> it, I preferred the Joker than the Grinch. 
Exactly. <laughs> so, um, The Shining. This movie is available to rent and buy through Amazon, YouTube, and currently on Showtime. But if you don't own this movie already, uh, I'm probably going to have to shame you. This is a classic that should be on every movie collection. I get it. Juan shamed me. He was like screaming on my ear for two minutes straight. Yeah, she literally told me like, hey, um, I can rent it on Amazon so we can watch it. I'm like, wait, you don't have this movie? She's like, no. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she's yeah, like, and then oh, when did you buy it? Like last week? Yeah, you were like, when did you buy it last week? And I'm like, no, bitch, I've had this movie for the last five years. No, bullshit. I've had this movie for the last ten years. <laughs> and then this... I rebought it again about five years ago on Blu-ray. These are real facts. Real facts. <laughs> One screams at me whenever we are doing our scripts and all this stuff. Yes, I feel like Kubrick yes. with Shelley Duvall. We're going to talk a little bit, little bit more about that later. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I feel our relationship is in this podcast. I'm like, no, yes. do it again. I'm like, I'm sorry. Can I take a break? I got a family. No, do it again. One is what they call um, tiger, tiger parents out there. Wait, what? You're a tiger parent. Oh, tiger parent? Yeah, you don't know what a tiger parent is? No, I just know about Joe Exotic. That's it. What is that? We're not going to get into that on this episode. <laughs> okay. okay. This right. is how out of touch she is with society nowadays, that she doesn't know who Joe Exotic is. No, I do not. Okay. So, <laughs> Norma, talk to us. Give us a synopsis of this movie. Yeah, so let's start with Jack Torrance. He lost his job as a former teacher due to alcoholism and other incidents. Danny Torrance, the son, has been verbally expressive about an imaginary friend called Tony. He describes Tony as a little kid that lives in his mouth and hides in his stomach. Jack has been given the opportunity to become the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel during the winter. His duty mainly consists of making sure the hotel stays warm and, and avoid any freeze damage. Jack is advised that the isolation can be quite hard on people and he responds by saying that isolation is just what he needs so he can write his play. We have Wendy, Jack's wife. And she asks Danny if Tony is looking forward to stay in the hotel, and Tony says no. When the interview is going, um, Jack is advised that the previous caretaker, Mr. Grady, took an axe towards his wife and two daughters before shooting himself. Danny asks Tony if he doesn't, why he doesn't want to go to the hotel. And Tony shows Danny a glimpse of what awaits them during the stay in the hotel. This made Danny pass out. Wendy calls a doctor. After the doctor checks him up, the doctor says he's fine. Danny most likely has um, auto-hypnosis that makes him go into these trances. But again, he's fine. Again, what the fuck? You have problems with your kids like this. First of all, they don't even take Danny to the hospital. This is like a, like what, like an in-visit doctor just coming into their house or apartment or whatever and be like, he's fine. You don't need any pills. He good. He good. Yeah, he's fine. What type of kid like pulls out his finger, says like, Hi, I'm Tony. I live in his tummy. <laughs> like, no, burn that fucker. I've seen enough horror movies to know like, no, wrong. Bad kid. Bad kid. Again, tiger parent people. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the family arrives at the hotel and they are shown around. Dick Halloran, the head chef at the hotel, is asked to watch over Danny for a moment. Here, he tells Danny that he can tell his special. He tells Danny that when he was a child, he and his grandma used to talk hours without opening their mouths. 
and could do other special things like see into things that were gonna happen things that happen and things that are happening and he told Danny that his grandma called it the shining and he tells him that Danny has it Danny avoids the conversation by saying that Tony wouldn't allow him to talk about it and then he asks Mr. Halloran why is he afraid of room 237 Mr. Halloran says he is not, but he should stay away from the room. Okay, and that first interaction between Danny and Halloran, or Mr. Scatman, <laughs> that was creepy. He's just like, hey, what type of ice cream do you like, little boy? Like, no, don't do that. Like, just the like, look I... in his eyes. Yeah, the look in his eyes just being like, do you want some ice cream, Doc? Like, no, <laughs> shit's creepy. Stop it, Halloran, stop! <laughs> Fucking pedophile up in here. Aw, he's so sweet. He is, like, but at the start of the movie, if you've never seen the movie before, you're like, yeah, this guy's trouble. Mm -hmm. So the next scene, it's 30 days after they moved in, a month after that, and we see Danny riding around the hotel with his tricycle, Wendy is making breakfast for Jack, and then Jack starts writing his play. Later that night, Wendy tries to strike a conversation with Jack and he just snaps at her and basically tells her to stay the fuck out. Rude. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday comes in and so does a snowstorm. Wendy notices the phone lines don't work and she uses the radio to contact the police station where she is advised that the lines will likely be down until spring, but to please keep the radio on in case of an emergency. While riding his tricycle around the hotel, Danny stumbles upon the Grady sisters and he envisions them all bloody on the floor next to an axe. Then Tony reminds him, it's just like Mr. Halloran said, they're just pictures in the book, Danny. They're not real. <laughs> That's actually a really good Tony impersonation. Thank you. Later that day, we can see, which is probably the only scene where Jack and Danny seem to have a nice father and son moment in which Jack promises Danny he would never, ever hurt him. Fucking liar. Uh, right. This is when shit starts going south. Yeah. So the next Wednesday, Danny finds his way into room 237. And Wendy is in what I think it's the boiler room. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, she I think can, so. Yeah, it sounds about right. The thing is that she can hear Jack having a nightmare. He's like screaming and grunting and she just running to him and comforts him. And at the same time, Danny's walking into the room and he's in complete shock. And Wendy notices that his neck is bruised. So she like grabs Danny and she starts screaming at Jack and blaming him. You did this, you son of a bitch. And Jack goes into the ballroom and he finds Lloyd. Lloyd is one of my favorite characters in this movie and yes such a small role by the way <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like your money's no good here like no. i love all those little small interactions that he has with them it's like i wish i would have a bartender as cool as lloyd right so wendy walks into the bow into the ballroom and tells jack that a woman in room 237 was who strangled danny so of course jack is annoyed as hell he goes to the room and while he's in the room, Danny and Mr. Halloran kind of, I don't know, they like sinking their brains together and are seeing what's going on in room 23, 237. Um, so as Jack enters the room, he sees a beautiful young woman in the tub 
and she's starting to get out of it and as she's walking towards him to kiss him he's just like checking her out like look at this snack i'm gonna eat it and (laughs) (laughs) this is how you like go and hit on people like hey look at that snack i want to eat it yeah that's why i called anthony he's my snack oh my god Um, so when they lock lips, Jack notices that this is no longer a beautiful woman, but the nope. bloated body of an old lady. And he is scared shitless. <laughs> he runs uh. out, he locks the room, and he leaves the keys on the lock, which I think it would be best if you take them with him. Not that it would help, but common sense says take the keys with you. I mean, um, wouldn't you do the same? Like, it's like, oh, look at that snack. I want to eat it. And then you just see that it's like a rotten piece of meat. Like, ugh. Like, no, fuck that. I'm gonna run. And I the worst part too. is the old lady, the old lady's makeup. It's like so nasty and the teeth and everything <laughs> and the eyes. And she's like, ah, come here, Granny. Like, Granny wants to kiss ya. Come here. Like, right, no. but I feel like you should have taken the key. Dude, I would have probably just bailed and not even remembered the key. So I understand Jack on this. So, after this vision, Mr. Halloran calls the police and he says he can't get a hold of the Torrances and the police try to contact them via radio, but they are unable to do so. So, Mr. Halloran decides to get on the next plane and go to the hotel. Mr. Halloran, when he left the hotel, he went to Florida. So, he went from Colorado Colorado to Florida and now he's going back to Colorado. Mm -hmm. So, Jack returns to Wendy and tries to explain there was nothing there. But Wendy was adamant that she needs to leave the hotel right now for Danny's safety. And Jack again, he snaps out of her and telling her, You always fuck things up for me, Wendy. And he just storms out of the room and goes to the ballroom where he bumps into Mr. Grady, the previous caretaker. He's told that Danny is using his special talent to bring in an uninvited guest against Jack's will. And Jack says it's his mother. She makes him such a bad boy. And Mm -hmm. Brady tells Jack that his daughters didn't care much for the hotel. One of them tried to burn the hotel down. And they were taken care of. And perhaps Mm -hmm. Jack should also do the same. No, say it right. What did Brady say? I don't remember. He corrected them. He corrected them. True. It's like, my daughter tried to burn this place down. And I corrected her. And then my right. wife tried to do the same. And I corrected her too. And if you don't do the same, I will correct your ass as well. <laughs> like, that is grating. That is grating in a nutshell. Right. But I like that before all this happens, um, Jack is like telling him, you were the previous caretaker. And he's like, no, no, that's not me, fam. He's like, yeah, yeah, you killed your family, didn't you? No, 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 that's not me. They're, they're around, they're around. And then, like, not even a minute later, he's like, yeah, I corrected them. You should do the same. I'm like, dude, (laughs) fucking Grady, chill. Pick one side. So, in the next scene, we see that Danny starts screaming, Red Worm! Red Worm! And Tony takes over Danny and tells Wendy that Danny has gotten away and he's not with him. On the other side of the hotel, we have Jack. Jack disconnected the radio. And then Wendy goes to find Jack, and she's just trying to build her guts, her bravery, whatever, into telling him, I'm leaving with or without you. But she stumbles upon Jack's novel, 
and this is one of the iconic scenes of the movie where she starts reading the novel and all we see is all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy and mm -hmm. it's over and over and over and over and there's like dozens maybe hundreds of pages with this sentence over and over and over again she tries to tell Jack about leaving the hotel but Jack starts screaming at her saying do you ever care about my responsibilities about my commitment to this hotel and she starts getting scared and she starts swinging a back a back a back <laughs> yeah a back <laughs> and she starts swinging a bat because he's starting to approach her in a very menacing way and tells her that he doesn't want to hurt her he just wants to batch her brains in he wants to batch her brains the fuck in and she hits him. She See, hits him in the head. Nothing wrong with that. He did say he doesn't want to hurt her. He's just going to yeah. softly bash her brains in. Marriage consists of good communication. And I think <laughs> they had it all along. Yeah, I mean, he was very clear. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you, but this is what will happen. That is clear communication. Perfect marriage right there. Right. Uh, so she hits him on the head with the bat and then she's like dragging him all around the hotel and locks him in the pantry in the pantry he regains his consciousness and tells her that she can't get out and wendy runs out to see why he would say that and she notices that jack disabled the snowcat and it was their only way out question um yes. did you realize when uh jack is waking up again or he spent a while on the pantry there's like a shit ton of snacks around him. Yes, I saw Oreos, I saw pretzels, peanuts, and I think peanut butter. Yeah, like a huge ass jar of peanut butter. <laughs> I'm like, even if you're possessed by like angry, vengeful spirits, you still got the munchies. And yeah. that pantry was stacked. It was stacked, yes. I did notice that. I told Anthony when we were watching it, like, you're gonna see what a box of Oreos looked in the 70s. <laughs> And he, he looked at me like, I don't care, but I was so amazed. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and how much tang did they have in that pantry? Oh my gosh, there was so much tang. And ketchup. I haven't seen tang in years. And over here they have like buttloads of tang everywhere. <laughs> and cans of ketchup and mustard. There was a Heinz. whole shitload of stuff. Yes. Um, so, going back into the movie, Grady releases Jack from the pantry, and Tony wakes Wendy screaming again, Red Rob! Red Rob! And he's holding a knife, and at this same time, Jack is breaking his way into the apartment with an axe, and Wendy locks herself and Tony, because again, Tony took over Danny's body. Um, she locks them both in the bathroom. While Jack breaks the bathroom door, Wendy is able to help Tony escape through the window. But then Jack shows his face through the broken door and he shouts, Here's Johnny! <laughs> and <laughs> Jack stops trying to open the door after Wendy cuts him with a knife. And suddenly they can both hear the snowcat approaching. And this is Mr. Halloran that he was, he found, he made his way to the hotel. Mm -hmm. So. Jack makes a run to see who it is, and Wendy tries to go out and find Danny. While they are all running around looking for whatever they're looking, Jack finds Mr. Halloran, and he attacks him with an axe, and he kills him almost instantly, and now he turns to find Danny. Danny runs into the hedge maze, and Jack is chasing after him. Danny outsmarts him by walking on his footprints and then hiding. 
and Jack is unable to find Danny and he continues to get lost in the maze and Danny finds his way out to Wendy and they both escape on the snowcap. Mm-hmm. And that's and it. That is it. So Juan, tell me about yes. your notes. So The Shining is a classic movie and this movie for being as old as it is has a shit ton of parodies or just references and basically anything that Stanley Kubrick made has made that type of impact, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Shining parodies is from an episode from South Park called A Nightmare on FaceTime, where Randy Marsh goes insane after acquiring his own failing blockbuster. And the way they do the parody is scene by scene, Marsh going around in the blockbuster like Jack Torrance going crazy. And it's not even funny because the way that he's saying like, steady boy, steady boy. It's basically almost like um, Jack Torrance was screaming for Danny at the end of the movie. It's almost like literally the same. And it sounds funny because, of course, it's a South Park cartoon. But that is how Jack Nicholson was screaming already at the end. It was like, steady boy, steady boy. And of course, at the end of the episode, um, Stan just ends up frozen the same way that Jack Nicholson was. And they made it even funnier by saying, hey, um, we're going to go get some McDonald's. Do you want some McDonald's? Yes. What do you want? <laughs> Chicken nuggets? Like, it, it's just priceless for me. Like, I love that episode. <laughs> so, aside from parodies, this movie has a lot of history with it. Uh, some of the history was Stanley Kubrick's abuse with his cast members or just overall everyone working on his movies. I don't know if you knew about this, but there was a lot of abuse towards uh, Sherry Duvall's character mm-hmm. or the actual actress, uh, especially in that scene that she has the bat trying to stop Jack from bashing her brains in. Correct. Apparently, they had to film it 127 times. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Like, she yeah. fucking hated Stanley Kubrick for it. Like, she had, like, bruises on her arms. I'm pretty sure her throat was fucked up after all that fake crying and all that. So when you get that final scene that you actually see in the movie, all those screams, all that, you know, stress that she's showing, that shit's real. She's like, if this motherfucker asked me to record this scene one more time, I'm going to bash his brains in, right? (laughs) Yes. So Stanley Kubrick has been an asshole towards people, but he does make good movies. I mean, do you have to make that scene 127 times? I kind of want to see how the first five ended up, right? Because imagine if like the first five were good and then he just did it like an additional 122 times. You're an asshole, dude. Chill. Right. I mean, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. No, this motherfucker (laughs) like killed the whole chicken and we're like, where's my egg? I think I read somewhere that he did the same with Scatman. Um, I don't remember which scene. Oh, the one where he's watching the news and he's like in this trance. He actually filmed it 140 times. And with Scatman too, um, that interaction that he had with Danny, that they're eating the ice cream, right? Yes. Apparently, they did that scene so many times that Scatman just couldn't do it anymore. But the kid playing Danny was all right. So they're like, "Ah, I guess it's not abuse. If the kid can handle it, you can handle it. You look at this kid throughout this whole movie and he's almost in a perpetual like catatonic state. Right. There's no acting from this kid. He's just there. And there's no acting career after this movie either. Like this was it for him. Really? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look like a good actor. And if this was (laughs) his first movie, 
and it's a Stanley Kubrick movie, I'm pretty sure he went like, fuck that. I'm not doing this shit again. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere that that was his only movie. He didn't do anything else after that. Can you blame him? Oh, no, I don't. If they take a scene like a hundred times and you're eating ice cream, you're going to get tired of that ice cream. Oh, yeah. So. Unless it's mint chocolate chip. Uh, I'll get tired even faster. <laughs> it's all about that pistachio, baby. Oh, pistachio sounds so good right now. I know, right? So, this Shining, this movie actually shows the effects of continuous isolation. And if this pandemic continues like this, I'm probably going to finish up like Jack. So, all work and no play makes one a dull boy. And I'm starting to <laughs> run out of liquor, so there's a problem. Uh, I'm telling you people, he's going to be in Forensic Files. Watch out. I mean, I'm going to start knocking on people's doors, like my neighbor's doors, and just start like eating them and shit. With the pandemic going on, do you think people will miss them as fast or no? I feel like yes, because now people feel, I don't want to say obligated, but now that they don't have like that human to human interaction, they are reaching out in other ways more. Mm, you're Am right. I making sense? You, you are, you are. Yeah. Plus, I don't want to finish like that guy that you were talking about earlier. Just fantasizing right. about cannibalism and facing charges. Right, and I mean, let's be honest. Um, we weren't talking as often um, before since we started the podcast. True. Yeah. So this is the result of the pandemic. So you're welcome, world. Boredom, yes. <laughs> so other things that I wish that this movie would have expanded on more was Tony. Tony's just considered an imaginary character in this movie when, mm -hmm. in fact, he's supposed to be danny from the future coming to help him right i'm guessing stanley kubrick didn't want to go too far out there but still it would have been like a little nice addition to be like at the end and tony was danny all along right and for such a famous movie explain to me how this movie technically only has two deaths i mean i guess that's that you can see only two i feel like the reason why it's such a shock value is the way they were killed Maybe Mr. Halloran's murder wasn't that wow, but I feel like... He wasn't even supposed to die in the book. Right, what but I fuck? feel like dying outside, how do you say that? When you become a human popsicle, what is that? God damn it. Frozen? Hypothermia? No. Hypothermia. When you die of... Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> when you die of that, it's, it's shocking, you know? I know, but... If they decide to kill Dick's character, right? Mm -hmm. They could have done so much better than just that. Especially if it's a character that wasn't even supposed to die and you're putting it in your own hands, they could have done something better. I guess you're right. Also, uh, for anyone that wants to book a room at the Overlook Hotel, thanks to this pandemic, we actually have availability. So the lowest room that you can get is, I think it's the Queen Room, and it's 269 per night. And you can actually reserve it right now for the 15th going forward. Wait, are you sure? Because I was looking this morning and, and I didn't see any spaces available. Yep, there are spaces available. I literally just check checked this afternoon. Website? No, I checked directly on their website. Well, that's what I mean. Did you check? Through? Well, I, I could swear I checked and there was nothing. No, they, they had a couple of openings. You can even like I reserve them. Like I, I went through the whole like reservation process up until putting the credit card information just to make sure. I wonder if it's because I was looking into it at five in the morning. <laughs> Probably. And why yeah. the fuck are you even awake at five in the morning? I don't have a life, that's why. Yeah. So <laughs> So, 
this movie has a rating of 8 out of 10. This is coming from me. It's still an iconic horror movie that can still be admired 40 years later. Yes, this movie's already 40 years old. That's mom I think, years yeah. old. Well, mom and I. Yeah, I, I was like 20 when I first watched this movie. No. Wait, no. no mom bullshit. is 58. It, mom, it was like 20 years old when I first watched it. Sorry. You were 20? Really? So no, young? No, I'm you saying the that? movie was 20 years old when I first oh, watched okay. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I am horrible with math. I think we've been through this already, one. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. <laughs> so, Norma, tell me some of your notes. So, I think you already mentioned it that um, solitude and isolation can become a problem. During the stay-at-home orders that we're going through right now in this pandemic, there's been a 20% increase of domestic violence. Um, I mean, people sometimes, they just lose their marbles. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. You get stuck with the same person day in, day out. You're bound to snap at them every now and then, right? Right, yes. But you know, instead of letting things build up, just talk it through. Avoid all this messy, messy, and horrible things that happens um, during domestic violence. So, Talking is easier than cleaning blood, trust me. Right. We don't want to do that for you. Wait, what? So, what? <laughs> Um, so, Wendy smokes more than Dean Corso. Do we remember Dean Corso in The Ninth Gate? Yes, ma'am. She smokes more than him. It's the 80s, and, you know, you're around your kid, so you're stressed. You need a cigarette. Plus, you, you know, see. yeah, you have Stanley Kubrick just screaming at you. Because even, like, in interviews, while they're oh. filming, she's still smoking. Now that you bring that up, it makes total sense. Because I feel like in every single scene, she's she has a cigarette somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it's a character thing. I think it's more of a, I'm stressed. Leave me alone and let my cigarette be in the shot. Oh damn! I'm so sorry, Shelly, that you went through that. I'm sorry. Have you seen but her lately? You. I think I read when I was doing some research that she was in Doctor Phil, something like that. Yes. She was just. She was instit institutionalized. Yes, and she looks batshit crazy. Uh, I heard that she's doing better now, but still, goddamn. Yeah, we love you, Shelly. You did good. She was saying Robin Williams was still alive. Oh, damn. She really went there. See, this is how detached I am for what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my next note is that when Danny was riding his little tricycle in the first couple of scenes, he reminds me of Bobby's world in his little intro of the cartoon when he's just like, oh, here, riding his little tricycle. Do you remember Bobby's world? Yes, I remember Bobby's world. I love Bobby's world. Why don't we have more cartoons nowadays like Bobby's world? I know. I loved it so much. Um, I love epic rap battles of history from YouTube. And they have this video of Steven Spielberg versus Alfred Hitchcock. And then all of a sudden, Quentin Tarantino jumps in. And then Stanley Kubrick comes in. And then Michael Bay comes in. And it is amazing. I'm a sucker Who for wins? puns. I think it's between Quentin Tarantino and Stanley Kubrick. I love it. Their responses, I love them. Um, and then there's also one for Stephen King versus Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if we mentioned it already. I think you did mention it really quickly. But this movie is inspired by Stephen King's novel. So they have like a little rap battle in between them. I feel like Stephen King won in this one. And it is amazing. 
<laughs> I love both Stephen King and Edgar Allan Poe as writers. But yeah, Stephen King has classics that people enjoy. And with Stephen King, now that you mention it, we really didn't talk about Stephen King's hatred for this movie. No, we did not. So he didn't like it at all. I think there was another miniseries made by ABC um, based on the book, like page by page based on the book. Yeah, he was the he was the producer for this movie, and he also wrote the screenplay or the teleplay for this movie. So he wanted to make sure that The Shining was told the way that he wanted. And if anyone has time out there, of course, the Stanley Kubrick movie is great. But the Stephen King's miniseries for The Shining is really good, too. It is about four and a half hours long. So take some time watching this. (laughs) Um, Take it as a miniseries. Don't take it as a movie. But the first time that I watched the miniseries, I was still fairly young and i remember watching it on abc and i loved that shit like i would sit down and watch the whole thing like back to back to back so this miniseries wasn't anything new to me like i already knew about it you know being able to compare the two i think i actually watched the miniseries before i watched the stanley kubrick film oh yeah like i i hold both of them very dearly to my heart I didn't know at all about the miniseries. Um, I was doing some research and I found something in the YouTube comments saying that the miniseries was better. And I was like, wait, what? And then further down into the comments, someone, amazing person, shared a link where you can see it. And the best part of this link where I watched it is that it still has the 1997 commercials. And (laughs) I saw the movie trailers for Con Air or Austin Powers and oh my goodness there was this other movie I don't remember oh and some weird commercials like Wendy served pita bread at some point in the 90s what the fuck right (laughs) so I loved it I only watched the first two episodes because I'm a slacker I didn't finish it I intend to because I feel like even though they're based on the novel they're two different movies two different stories yes um so if you have the ability to find the miniseries go watch it i feel like it has a more um, detailed account of how the book really is viewing wise i would say start with the miniseries so you can see how the book is watch the stanley kubrick's adaptation to see his vision of the shining and then finish up with dr sleep you've already seen dr sleep right the shame wagon because I have Wait, you still haven't seen it dude I have it I told you here it is choo choo so Dr. Sleep uh, the movie tries to fix what Stanley Kubrick didn't do uh, from the book plus trying to stay true to the actual uh, Stanley Kubrick adaptation he did a really good that director did a really good job trying to marry those two things together trying to marry like the book plus stanley kubrick's plus trying to continue the story with dr sleep so nice kudos to that applause so my last note is and i know one is gonna come after me i'm gonna rate this a six i Uh, think it's a good movie why why (laughs) why do you do that why do you do that to me it's just eh, 
I loved it. You know, it, it's a classic. It's something that you have to watch. You have to experience. But it's not something that I personally would rate something high. And you know what? It's gonna come a time where you're gonna do the same to me. So I wanted to be the first one to break your heart. You douche. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'm ending this podcast right now. I'm ending this podcast uh, right now. You no, broke my not. heart, Norma. You don't have a heart. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you have to pay attention to the small details, though, um, such as Danny's Apollo 11 sweatshirt referencing his previous film, Space Odyssey. We also have Vivian Kubrick, his daughter, in the ballroom. She's like smoking a cigarette there on the couch. Whenever I watch this movie, I just like to order a pizza, sit on my big ass comfy couch, and wrap myself in a blanket and just watch this movie, you know? You don't have plans for the weekend now you do you're welcome so you would say that this is like a homey movie a sit back chill order some you know boneless pepperoni pizza and just relax yeah. right yeah get yourself some boneless pepperoni pizza get cozied up with someone watch it enjoy it it's fun it's really fun to watch cool yeah so what are we doing tomorrow well not tomorrow what are we doing next week <laughs> So wait wait wait, wait 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 <laughs> wait! I'm so sorry. Uh, during this whole isolation thing that we're doing, have you noticed any changes in you? Yes. How? I barely shave for a couple of weeks. Then I shave everything off. This is the <laughs> second or third time that I shaved my beard since isolation, and yeah, I don't look good with a beard. Um, sorry, without a beard. So this is a commitment that I'm going to stay at home. If I shave my beard, it's like, okay, I'm not going to see you guys again for the next three weeks. You have such a baby face when you change. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Okay. That is the biggest change. Um, I have been drinking more. I'm not going to lie. Seeing this movie and seeing how Jack Torrance slips back into alcoholism. Yeah, it's scary. It, it really is. So... Uh, this movie makes me realize that, yeah, maybe I should chill with the alcohol while I'm at home. It's nice to do it, you know, when you're outside with friends. Be like, okay, yeah, social drink drinking. But when you're just doing it at home by yourself, it's like, yeah, maybe maybe you got a problem. Wait, what time is it? It's 10 o'clock. Yeah, you should stop. It's too <laughs> early. Yeah. Um, what have been some changes that you've seen? I've become more of a Martha Stewart. I'm like constantly cleaning the house. I bought all of these decorations for when we first moved and I never set them up. And I've been like pulling them out of the closet, putting them on the walls, cleaning, decorating, dusting, cleaning, decorating, dusting. I've been baking a lot. I've been doing a lot new dishes. I don't know. I'm like the perfect 50s mom. Well, you've kind of always been a Martha Stewart ever since I remember. So this isn't something new. <laughs> I feel like it's new to me because as a, once you start working I mean, full-time, like you have to set things It could aside. be that you're realizing it now. Yeah, you've always been a Martha Stewart. Hmm. Maybe now that I have time that actually focus at what I'm doing, I'm realizing it. Sometimes I, I guess I'm, I'm like an autopilot and I do things. But okay. now that I don't have much of a choice and I'm like doing other things and noticing all of this free time I have on my hands, I'm like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do? So I've been taking my my courses, I've been working, I've been cleaning, I don't know. It's a whole shitload of stuff. Gardening. 
Anthony got me back into gardening. <laughs> How are those black dahlias coming up? Did they find a blue Actually, one? Actually, they're not black. They're Arabian red. Those are the only good red. ones. Fuck you, one. <laughs> well, have they actually, bloomed? No, but I've been meaning to tell you there's some bulb. Yay! So I'm there's assuming more. maybe by the a bulb, like a tiny little bulb, like the flower is starting to form. Okay, for anyone that doesn't know, she's been talking about these flowers since before the podcast started, and they still haven't <laughs> fucking bloomed. Those I think flowers I bought them dead. in January. They're not dead. I think I think that you just bought plastic flowers, and you just haven't no. realized it yet. You're so hateful, Juan. I'm just well, saying. If the dahlia doesn't come out, I am happy with my sunflowers. They're like ten feet tall. They look taller than me, but then again, I'm five even. So <laughs> I was gonna say that anything's taller than you. So right. Yeah. Um. So I'm really proud of those. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, and I've been playing a bunch of pranks on Anthony every single week. Oh I prank him. You know, the other day when I put tape on his door and he saw it. Mm -hmm. I was so disappointed. The next day, I did it again, but instead of doing it higher, I did it a little bit lower so he couldn't see it through the mirror, and he fell for it. Oh my god. <laughs> this is what isolation does. You either kill your loved ones or prank them. You decide. Yeah, we prank each other. It's how we keep the magic alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, for next week, remember great films that mark cinema history, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. King Kong, The Lovely Bones, and The Hobbit Trilogy? I remember Lovely Bones. It's such a beautiful movie. And I'm a huge, huge fan of The Lord of the Rings. Good. Well, forget about them. Join <laughs> us next week while we discuss the iconic horror comedy Dead Alive, aka Brain Dead, directed by the talented Peter Jackson in his early days. Yes, that Peter Jackson. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. This is new to me. Yes, so this is going to be a good reaction. I just want to see Norma's, you know, how she's going to react to this movie. Yes, so this is going to be exciting. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening and have a great night. Have a great night. Bye.